Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Dudes of Kung Fu. In this episode, I get a little heated when I answer a question and probably went a little bit overboard. In fact, it got to the point where Alex had to cyber slap my face and we almost got into a fist fight. Nah, not really. Um, we, we had some pretty good discussions this week, going through, um, talking like about our oh shit moments and things that impress us and let's say leave us not so impressed. So I hope you enjoy it. It was fun for us. I think it's one of the better episodes. And uh, we'll see you next week. Dudes of Kung Fu. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of... Dudes of Kung Fu. Out freaking standing. Alex, how are you, my friend? Pretty good. Uh, kind of uh, getting over a little bit of a cold. Again, my daughter, just like a couple of weeks ago, coughed right into my mouth again with whatever horrible nonsense she picked up from school. So I have to use my internal kung fu power to fight against that. That reminds you? me. That reminds me. I have, to, I have to send your daughter five dollars. I pay pay her five dollars every time she coughs into your mouth. <laughs> well, that happens a lot lately. She seems to not cough unless it's directly directed into my mouth. There you go. I actually yeah. have a little bit of a head cold myself. And um, but you know, thank God for Advocold and Sinus. We're yes, uh, yes. doing doing well though. What's what's new and exciting in your life? Anything going on? Well, just been working on a number of projects. Again, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'm I'm kind of at the stage right now where I'm working on like about nine or ten different things at the same time, and I'm basically chipping away a little bit on this book, a little bit on this project, a little bit on this thing. So I just basically every week I just feel like I'm getting a little closer to being less busy, but right. uh, I, I I'm not I haven't actually finished anything yet. So it's just a matter of. Mental fortitude, sticking through it, and, and in the next few months, a uh, number of these projects are going to start coming to fruition, and then I can stop feeling like an utter failure every day. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> doing, doing lots of training, uh, been uh, practicing every day and, and teaching a lot of private lessons, which is great. I have about um, two to four private lessons I do a day, so I have a chance to, you know, two to four hours every day I'm practicing with my students on top of my own regular training. So I'm really in this nice groove where uh, even though I'm really busy, I'm still getting all my training in, so I still feel good. Um, and that's probably the only thing that's keeping me going. Uh, and what about you? Well, you know, I'm actually just coming off a uh, an incredible weekend with um, some of my guys that came down from Boston, um, Seth McCollum and Chris Kennedy, who run Big JKD Mass. And um, they came down and joined me with my seafood, Tom Kagan. And we just had this awesome freaking Kung Fu Life weekend, you know, hanging out, BSing. They helped me um, clean up my gym area a little bit, even did some work around my house. And and um, we did a lot of, you know, Chigurk and Long Pole and Toy Mar and Jong and, of course, JKD. And, and the, dude, it was like Kung Fu Life at its best with my students and my seafood and it was just so much fun. We were just enjoying ourselves like you can't imagine. In fact, and one of the things we did, we um, ordered uh, the David Peterson's, um, what David Peterson was talking about, the documentary on uh, Grandmaster Wong Shang Long, uh, The King of Talking Hands. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Dude, it was incredible. I, uh, you know, we sat down and we were like, oh, all right, this is going to be, this is going to be something else. And man, didn't disappoint. What was really unique, well, what I my takeaway from it is, of course, I knew of Wang Sheng Lung, um, and I you know saw some videos of him, you know, uh, the videos on YouTube and things that. Obviously, I don't, but I don't know anything about the man. 
when, and about the way he just held himself as a person, you know? And it was cool getting just to watch him talk. And, you know, because it's not until you're actually sitting across from a guy or watching a video of a person just sitting there with their friends talking that you get to kind of know what the the inner person's like, you know? Sure. And you can just, you know, like when a guy's telling a story and he's smiling and it's you know, he's just talking with his buddies or the students or people that just look up to him. It was really, I felt it was really insightful to get to know the little bit of the soul of Wong Shang Lung. And um, he told him some incredible stories about the uh, first time he met uh, Grandmaster Yip Man. And um, that I'm not going to take away from it. I don't want to even go into it a little at all because it's just such a great story. But uh, it was humorous. You can tell that uh, Wang Shang Lung was very humorous. And in the way he was telling the story, and it sounded like he was a pretty uh, tough son of a bitch, also. So, <laughs> comes as no shock. So uh, that that was it. Was just a great weekend for me, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to have the chance to watch a documentary. I'm just uh, I'm so backed up on all my TV shows and all the stuff I normally watch with with all the projects, and I, I definitely going to put the um, Wong Sun Leung. Um, King of Talking Hands documentary kind of first on the list when, when I get a chance. I think that'd be really great. It's also, you know, been anticipated for a very long time. So can't wait to finally see it. Yeah, everybody that's listening should definitely go to wingchenillustrated.com. Just click on the Buy Now tab. And uh, the video is uh, Wong Chung Lung, King of Talking Hands. It's 30 bucks. It's, it's, it's two hours long and it's worth every penny. And you're going to wish it was three hours long. I'm also looking at, he has another one on there, The Art of Wong Chung Lung, Wing Chung Journey, which, again, I have not ordered yet, and I'll probably just order it this weekend. I'm just, I'm dying to watch it, too, now, you know? So this just looks like, uh, if, if the second one's, the first one's any indicator of what the second's like, the second one's like, I can't wait to uh, carve out an hour and a half for myself on that one and just uh, enjoy it. You know, awesome. David Peterson does such great work, you know? So it doesn't come as a shock. Sure, sure. Yeah, and they had a great team and, and John Little attached to that as well. So uh yeah, I mean oh, it's yeah. kind of you know that that's definitely that's definitely a winning combination there. I look forward to to seeing that. Uh by the way, our attentive listeners will notice that uh we missed the week on the podcast and guess whose fault that was? Alex's fault. My fault, just like I told you guys a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Um yeah, this is definitely uh if we ever miss a week, it's always my fault. Uh this time it was a technical glitch. We actually had one of my fir- very first students, a guy named Zach, who's an actor out in Hollywood. He happened to be visiting and we wanted to have him on a- as a guest because he was there. He had some very funny stories to tell. But unfortunately, hold there's on a like second. A fire drill going on over there or something? No, you know what it is. I'm at my school now and there's an instructor class going on upstairs and somebody <laughs> is late for that class uh so yeah um, oh that's pretty funny so they're ringing the doorbell right and they're and they're they're 30 minutes late so it's kind of like yeah go ahead and be impatient you're late um so anyway yeah we had some technical difficulties last uh last sunday that's why we weren't able to do the podcast but it's basically my fault hey sean why don't you talk for a second while i go buzz this late person in give him a slap while you're at it that's one thing I tell you. When I when I teach a class, man, I would be so pissed off if anybody came late. I'm like an early person. I'm like the, I'm the guy who, if I have a seven o'clock appointment somewhere, I'm showing up, you know, half hour early. I'm always early, and when people show up late, I get pissed off. I just kind of feel yes. like I mean, listen, it happens. You know, I was uh, I was explaining why you were away, Alex, and I'm like the guy who's always early. 
I'm Brent. never on time and I'm never late. I'm always freaking early. Yes. And that uh, annoys the shit out of me. I mean, obviously, you know, you're in New York City and, you know, there's traffic issues and things to that effect. But, man, when people are late, that pisses me off. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, hey, did we did we have any questions? Uh, yes. yes. Um, a gentleman named uh, Scott Ishihara wrote in. And he said, I was listening to the podcast, and at one point you guys were talking about improving your art and had said, go and learn JKD, then improve it to what you want, but then call it something different. So, parentheses, and I can't remember if you used the word real JKD, what is your definition of JKD? Hand trapping? Stop kicks? Not MMA? Just wondering, started listening after the Burton, Burton was on, and I'm enjoying it, thanks. Well... Uh, Scott, that was me. I'm the, I'm usually the one that says the controversial things about JKD. And what I meant, <laughs> <laughs> so what is JKD? To me, Jikendo is the controlling of distance, timing, and rhythm, and the use of the five ways of attack. It's a series, it's that and more. It's a, it's a series of moving and dynamic principles that were, I hate to use the word organized, but I'm going to say organized by Bruce Lee. And attached to that is a physical art. Now, with that said, I do not believe that to do Jikido, you have to use Bruce Lee's physical art. In that, if you can find something that is more efficient than what Bruce Lee was doing, you should go right ahead. If you should find something that is lacking in Bruce Lee's art, you should add it. If there is something in Bruce Lee's art that you simply cannot do, you should simply not do it. What I'm talking about, though, when I say you should name it something else, is that if you alter Bruce Lee's art to the point where it is no longer recognizable, put your own damn name on it. And better still, if you are one of these guys, and I'm not talking to you, Scott, in particular, I'm just talking about in the general audience, if you go to any uh, JKD uh, Facebook group or or, uh, internet forum, you'll see... 70, 80% of the people posting on there will say some nonsense like, oh, yeah, well, I've been doing JKD for two and a half years. And you say, oh, who have you trained with? Oh, well, I had never actually had a Jeet Kune Do instructor. But <laughs> I, you know, I take Taekwondo and I have a William Chun book. Uh, so I know Wing Chun. And, you know, I uh, roll around in the basement with my uh, 15-year-old cousin. So I have some wrestling background. And I can punch a heavy bag harder than anybody on the, in the, on the block. So this is my JKD. And um, I also do some Tiger Crane Kung Fu bullshit form that he invented. And this is all part of his Jeet Kune Do. And I say, that's great. If you want to say that Bruce Lee inspired you to come up with this fucking potpourri of martial arts, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Go with it. But you know what? Call it something that you call it something unique. Call it, you know, uh, you know, instead of Jeet Kune Do, call it uh, the bullshit I made up in my basement, Jeet Kune, you know, Do or something. It's, Rex Kwan Do. Right, Rex Kwan Do or some other crap, you know. If, if, unless, unless what you're doing is based seriously, seriously based on the principles of, of, of Jeet Kune Do, unless you seriously, seriously have an understanding of the body mechanics involved, in the physical tools of Jeet Kune Do, unless you have the proper lineage in Jeet Kune Do, then you know what? Call it what you want to call it. No one's saying you can't do it. 
No one's saying that you can't come and kick my ass. Face it, I'm a 50-year-old fat man. I'm sure half the audience can come kick my ass. That that's you know that's fine. I'm saying, be a fucking man and name it yourself. Name it what you want to name it. Unless it's unless you're doing the art, name it something else. That's all. And yes, I know already. I can I can I can hear the fucking keyboards clicking already. People writing me nasty messages saying, "Well, Bruce Lee said, absorb what is useful and reject what is useless." So me taking some no dick piece of shit art and mixing it with three other no dick piece of shit thoughts. But in creating that, that is my Chikundo, and I'm following Bruce Lee's Bruce Lee's uh, philosophy. No, do me a favor, take a break, take a nap, read a book, and go join a Chikundo school, and understand what's going on before you before you come up with some fucking concoction, and then start using Bruce Lee's name and likeness to advertise it. Because you're fooling yourself, but worse than fooling yourself, you're conning the fucking audience. You're conning people that are walking by you or every time you say something, oh yeah, I teach Chikundo. And why do you say that? Yeah, because you want people to say, oh wow, that's Bruce Lee's art. But you're not doing Bruce Lee's art. You're doing some bullshit you invented in your basement. So Scott, that's really what I meant by it. And Alex, sorry if I went off too much on a, on a uh, rant about it. But uh, Well, I'm just waiting for you to tell me how you really feel. Oh, okay. <laughs> I should be a little more emphatic <laughs> about it, maybe. <laughs> 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 yeah, well what, 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 what did you call those arts? Did you say a no dick? What, what, what did you call those martial arts? You know what, I'll be honest with you I don't know <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard a martial art being referred to As a no dick piece of something martial oh, art right. <laughs> <laughs> Some no dick piece of shit art That was it, yeah, there you go Wow, wow yeah, that's uh, that's pretty diplomatic right there. So, uh, well, listen, well, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I am what I am. I'm a kid from Brooklyn, and that's how I talk. And I don't mean anything by it. But face it, people have no effing clues to what's going on. It's it's they read Bruce Lee's books, and they they take this philosophy that was. Uh, sorry about the alarms going by, folks. Um, <laughs> that's how they know. That, that's how they know we're from New York. <laughs> right, exactly. That's that's either the that's either the, a cop rushing to someone got shot or the ambulance rushing away with the victim. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, but you know, so like I, I you know I go to these chicken dough forums. I have a forum myself, and these people like, and they're well meaning, but they don't know a fucking thing about chicken dough. And they take this one one saying: absorb what is useful, reject what is useless. And Edward is specifically your own, and they use it as license to kind of create this gobbledygook of bullshit, and 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 slap Bruce Lee's name and and and, and with the name Chikundo on it, and it's just wrong. There's no basis of reality in it. There's no, there's no verifiable lineage. There's no knowledge chain. You know, I'm not even talking about certificates. I saw, you know, like yes, certificates of paper and papers used to wipe your ass. A buddy of mine literally just posted on Facebook last week. It's true, but there has to be some sort of knowledge chain. There has to be, I learned something from this person, and he acknowledges that I learned it from him. You know, you could, that's, that's what keeps the art alive. Not this other various bullshit. What's to stop some guy taking Taekwondo, mixing it with Judo and Tiger Crane Kung Fu, and saying, this is his Jeet Kune Do. Sorry, it's not. It's some goggly goat bullshit. 
know, that, I, that's I fine. I, I don't know. Actually, I'm thinking, wait a minute, a combination of Taekwondo and Judo and Tiger Crane would actually kind of be a pretty badass martial art right there. <laughs> because, and that's what I mean. It, it may be a badass martial art. Just name it what the fuck you want. Because, Don't name because, it you can know. because that specific example you made up, it's like you would have these badass long range kicks. When someone got close to you, you would like <laughs> you would like rip and tear them with these like awesome tiger claw techniques. And if they got even closer, well, it looks like Alex froze up on us, and uh, he's we can't hear what word he's saying. Damn it! I hate when that happens. Technology sucks. But that just means you guys are stuck with me until he unfreezes his ass. Um, oh. Are you back? I'm back, but it was fro- on my end. It looked like you were frozen. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, one of us froze up because for me, it sounded like you were frozen. It doesn't matter. All right. We're back and better than ever. Fuck it. Well, did, did, did you hear my final analysis about the tiger not. claw? We only heard the, the tearing up of the tiger, the tiger claw. And then I okay. guess you're going to go into the judo. Yeah, and then if he got closer to you, you would huck him over your shoulder. So actually, that's a that's a pretty damn awesome style right there. And I'm sure it is, and I'm sure the person that comes up with that concoction could come here and kick my butt. But you know what? Name it like you know, I don't know, muscle milk jitsu or some bullshit like that. Muscle milk jitsu. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. You know me. It is right. what it is. So what other questions do we have tonight? Um, well, we got some general uh, ideas here. Some people wrote in just some ideas. Some of them I didn't write down the name, so sorry. Um, in general, what ability impresses you when you see or hear it? Well, I just spoke for the last 20 minutes, Alex, so you want you to take this. What's something like, say you're on Facebook and you see a video? Oh, God. Or, or you, maybe that's a bad example. Um, you know, you're at, you're at a seminar and you see some guy do something. And you say, oh, wow, you know, that was pretty damn cool. What, what's, what's something you see that kind of impresses you and what has impressed you in the past? Give us a couple examples. I don't know. Those people who, like, climb on the top of skyscrapers without any kind of safety harnesses. That impresses the hell out of me. <laughs> I get nauseous just looking at death. Yeah, because I'm scared to death. If I, were you talking about something specifically martial arts? Yeah, yeah. Martial <laughs> arts, yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, I hate to... I hate to sound like an old cynical dude because I'm not even 40 years old yet, but it's kind of like, at this point, I've been doing martial arts since... I was eight. So I've already been doing martial arts for 30 years. And at this point, I've seen so many videos and I've seen so many things live and I've seen so much nonsense that it's kind of difficult for me to be impressed by a whole lot of what I see. Um, I'm generally much more impressed by watching uh, somebody else here at the door. I'm generally much more impressed by watching professional fighters who perform at a really high level. Um, Demonstrational stuff and seminar stuff generally doesn't kind of kind of right. wag wag the needle for me too much because I've seen a lot of, you know, it, it's also demonstrations are all contextual. You know, you can look sure. like a total hero when you have a semi-resisting or non-resisting partner and you can pull off all this crazy stuff. And that's okay. But, you know, we all want to see, well, if, if you're fighting someone who's resisting, how does it really work? Um, right. But they're definitely uh, video demonstrations of uh, that show, like, amazing skill of control, 
and balance and stuff that's almost more on the athletic acrobatic end that at this point probably impresses me more than somebody showing a bunch of techniques or something like that. I mean, the last video I think that really impressed me martial arts skill-wise, I would have to say, is probably something... Um, uh, probably something uh, kickboxing related or professional fighting related. It hasn't been anything right. where I just go like, you know, I haven't seen a Wing Chun person, and it's not to say that they're not great Wing Chun people out there, but if you show me a demonstration from literally any lineage, regardless of what it is, I'll go, it, it's, it's just all variations of stuff we've seen before. So I, I don't, you know, and that includes my own stuff out there. I look at the stuff that I have out there and I go, oh man, geez, I thought that was cool five years ago. So um, yeah, I mean, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm sitting- I'm gone for your how-to videos, dude. How many lessons I fucking taught because of those? <laughs> yeah, but even when I even when I watch that, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's like anything else. If you're an evolving martial artist, by the time you are, by the by the time you put a video up of what you thought about something, you do two three months later when you look at it, you go, mm, I already think a little bit differently about that topic. You know what I mean? Sure, so sure, it's, sure. it's hard for me to go back and look at that stuff. And I mean. That stuff is a crystallization of, of me five years ago. And, and right, I've, right. I've, you know, I still teach the same Wing Chun, but the way I teach it, the way I present it is, has constantly evolved. So I don't know. I generally cringe whenever I watch myself on video. <laughs> I, cringe uh, what about when you? I cringe when I get out of the shower and look in the mirror. It's just, you know, anyway. Have you seen anything that's impressed you? Yeah, you know, just honestly, just today, I was. Um, I was watching, I was on Facebook and I saw somebody posted a uh, video of two people in the park doing some knife fighting. You know, like, um, I guess what like wooden knives. Oh, I thought he's got real knife fighting or training. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, well, like wooden knives. Two guys getting together, you know, hockey gloves and wooden knives. And, and, uh, and one of the guys really, you could just tell, had incredible timing. Like, he, I don't know what system he studied. But you can tell he can close on people at just the right time. He can launch the attack at the right time. And I was impressed by it. I was watching it. And I'm saying, wow, you know, I hope I never have to fight that dude because he's going to be on top of you at, in the blink of an eye. And you can just see, like, he kind and it wasn't an accident because he did it, like, six times, seven times throughout this, like, 10-minute video. And he would just be on top of his training partner. Boom. And it was it was it looked instantaneous. It looked, quote unquote, lucky. But anybody that does martial arts know that there's no luck involved. It was seriously this guy had incredible timing. You know what I mean? And he's done this a thousand times over, and, and that impressed the hell out of me. And um, and it, I guess it's it's something I wish I had the ability to do. I just I, I don't have that kind of uh, that kind of timing yet. You know, but I I, I work at it all the time. I remember the other time I was incredibly seriously impressed. Um, I I really dig on Chi Sao. I like Chi Sao. And I remember the, when I first started doing Chi Sao with uh, Steve Bolden, I I remember describing it in my notes afterwards. I was writing. I take really a lot of notes, and um, I remember writing about it, saying that it felt like the only sensation I can give at it. When I was rolling with him with Chi Sao, did you ever walk up to a door and reach out to grab the door handle? And just as you were about to reach out for the door handle, the door opened out and you almost like fell forward? Oh, that happens to me like twice a day. 
Right. Oh. Well, you do LSD, so that's your cousin. <laughs> so with Steve, it's a kind of like a combination of that and that you feel like you're about to fall forward, but then the door opens in and you get smacked in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that idea of all this like resistance and pressure and then this dissolving into emptiness and then this arm sliding up in between your arms and tweaking your chin that kind of falling into emptiness sensation impressed the hell out of me and now it's 20 odd years later and when I think about it it still impresses the hell out of me these are things that that's awesome when I, when I have someone like, when I'm working with someone that's got just phenomenal timing or this ability to just dissolve at an instant where you can't find their center Alex you know you do Wing Chun with a gajillion people you know when you work yes. with somebody who's really good and you just you can't find their center. It's like you want and like you'll think their center's there and you'll start to move and try and control the center and then it's just not there anymore. And then you go to readjust and they're not there where you're adjusting to. And you kind of feel like you're just half beat behind the whole time. And they're not like pressuring you and they're it's just kinda of like this cool shit that's going on. Right. And that that just impresses the hell out of me. Anyway. Well I'll tell you there was something that impressed the hell out of me yesterday. I did something kind of out of the ordinary. I took the NRA gun safety course yesterday. Wow. Be- yeah, because, uh, Are you, you know. Are you going to join a militia now? <laughs> well, of course, I have to exercise my Second Amendment rights. And in case the government wants to come after me, I'm going to use a hand <laughs> cannon to, to keep them away. Um <laughs> No, you know what it is? It's like um, every year I, I kind of have I have like three bucket list things. And sometimes they're like big deals. And sometimes they're just like small things that I want to learn. Like I never learned to shoot a gun. And I always wanted to learn to shoot guns. So like on this year's list, one of the things was like to learn to shoot guns. So I did like the seven-hour online NRA course. And I went in for the actual hands-on training yesterday. Nice. And it was amazing. Yeah, and I, I passed it. What's funny is they they uh, they let me apply for like a, a a permit in Utah, which apparently when you get the Utah state permit, it's good in like thirty states. And so after this thing goes through, I have some kind of like permit in over thirty U.S. states or whatever to carry a gun, and I have like four hours of gun training under my belt. I can I can load a semi-automatic gun. I can shoot it without shooting myself, and that's about it. That's about the extent of my skills. But what really impressed me a lot um, about the course was, uh, well, one, they were really hardcore about being a responsible gun owner, way, um, way more than I thought they would be. They were like really fantastic with that. But one of the things the guy said is he's like, um, because I did the course in Connecticut and Connecticut has really liberal gun laws. Like you can have open carry in a holster in Connecticut. That's like totally fine. Right. right. And he was saying like, you know, they got guys who do the NRA safety course. And after they get their permit, they're walking around in like an open holster carry like wherever they go and he sees them and he goes what are you doing and they're like well you know i i I pass the nra course i can have this and he's like yeah but if somebody comes up to you or you're in a situation where you need that what are you going to do and they say stuff like well i'm just going to let my instincts like use of gun training what instincts do you think that you have when something's going to happen and he was talking about time effort and practice 
Right. And he mentioned it a number of times, and I'm like, that's kung fu, man. And he was like, look, you, you – and so, like, for example, that, that gun place, they offered, like, um, holster, like, how to take the gun out of the holster and shoot it and put it – like, all that stuff is, like, a skill you need to practice if you really even want to pretend that you have it. Because people shoot themselves grabbing the gun out of the holster because they put the finger on the trigger all the time. And, right. and also, like, shooting in low light and all this kind of stuff. And he was talking about – it's like, no, you need to really practice – before you even want to pretend that if someone broke into your house, you would even you would even be able to pick up that thing and shoot it in the right direction. And he he basically was kind of the whole night espousing how important time, effort, and practice is in the skill of using this deadly device. And I was thinking, you know, it's the same thing like in Wing Chun. These guys they go and they learn a video of some wooden dummy form, and they learn a couple of techniques. They're like, all right, I got that. And it's like, no, 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 no. You right. you saw that technique. Maybe somebody introduced it to you in a class, but that doesn't mean you have the time, skill, and practice put in to actually pull, pull that off, not only in practice, but when it actually matters, when there's stress. And when we're under a stress situation, the only thing that matters is our ability to apply fundamentals under duress. And it's the same thing with a gun. It's the same thing if you're learning to ride a motorcycle. It's the same thing in defensive driving. It sure as hell is the same thing in martial arts. Yet for some reason in traditional martial arts, people think that it's a matter of collecting this move here and this move there and kind of this paint-by-numbers buffet line approach that if they just take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, that they're going to have something that's palatable. And the more random skills I learn, because I go into motorcycle classes, gun classes, uh, uh, rock climbing classes, like I just, every year I just learn new stuff. And I realize that no matter what it is, it's always the same thing. It's a matter of time, effort, and practice. And they understand it in disciplines like rock climbing and gun shooting. And some traditional martial art guys still don't get it. They come in and they're like, all right, I learned the Sunum Tal form. When are you going to learn me, teach me Chum Q? It's like you can't even step and punch yet. What are you talking about doing chumkyu? You need to learn the you need to practice the fundamentals. And it's just, I guess, a bit self-confirming that no matter what I go out and learn, it's the same lesson. It's always right, about sure. fundamentals. So that was well, a bit of a you know interesting in, in, yeah. in Kung Fu, it's even worse, right? Because they not only won't think they can do it after one lesson, they feel they should be able to go out and teach it as well. Oh yeah. I mean, how many people do have we seen? that they learn like uh, they learn something on a video or they watch something in a seminar and the next day they're going on a video and they're teaching it as if it's something that they know how to do. I mean, I'm, I'm always tremendously cautious about the stuff that I teach. Like what if, if I go to Hong Kong and I learn something new, like a new drill from one of my C-box in Hong Kong or whatever, I will make sure that I practice it and that I understand it thoroughly. Like, why does he teach this? How does this fit into the greater scope of the Wing Chun system? And at what level should I impart this information before I would even pretend to start teaching it to somebody else? You know, I, I practice the long pole for five years and by practice i don't mean just in the corner going up and down a couple times like i did the form i did the cheek one i went to hong kong i trained with various masters of of even outside of wing chun of other weapons masters to make sure that i really could use the long pole skills i learned from sifu Lang ting before i taught my first student and there, guys they would go on they would go and, and go to everything wing chun and teach themselves some concocted knife form and they go and sell it to their students the next day and they have absolutely no shame about that and i i i would feel like such a fraud if i ever did that yeah it's disgusting huh? you know and you know on this note since we're talking about the videos and things to that effect 
what are some things you've seen people do on videos that just without naming names, obviously. But like what like you watch a video and just say, Oh man, shake your head and say, What the fuck are you doing? Well, I would think for me, it's not so much a specific, it's it's when I see this, okay? You know that, a, like, and I'm just going to speak for Wing Chun, I'm not going to speak for anything else, right? Uh, if if I watch a, a video online or, or like on Facebook, somebody posts a video of themselves teaching uh, something, right? You always know that they kind of don't know what the hell they're talking about when when this happens. So, for example, and I'm not big into making videos of myself teaching because first of all i i teach for a living so if you want to learn from me come to my school and pay me and i will teach you why should i teach people for free on the internet right the the howcast series is kind of like i'm like a bit like a drug dealer right i give you the first hit for free but then you got to come in for the good stuff right okay and and honestly as much praise as i get on the howcast stuff in terms of my ability to teach, the Howcast stuff is really, it's my C-level material. That's not even my, my B my stuff, life. right? So so anyway, but if you watch, like, I'll say, okay, this is Paxel, right? And I will explain Paxel, like, this is why we use it. This is a couple different ways that it can be used, and this is why, and these are the main things you need to look out for. And I would be good with that. But you have some guys like, okay, Paxel, it's like, all right, so I do this. And then you see, when the guy does this, then I do that, all right? And then, like, and then, uh, oh, but then he could do this, and then I would do that, right? And then sometimes people do this thing, and then you do that. And then, so you can kind of tell somebody is full of shit or they're riffing it when it's like, oh, and then if I do this, he grabs my, and then you see there's the lato movement. And then somebody blocks this thing and see, oh, that's Jutsal. And then like, oh, and then there's the bong. And then you can do bong again. And, and you just go and you go like, where is your thread? Where's your line of thought? Your, the video said you were going to talk about Paxau and then you're going, oh, and then he does this and then he does that. And then you realize, oh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're just making shit up. And it's just a bunch of just freestyle gobbledygook or whatever. And it's like, you know, in terms there you of- go. Well, let's say it, Alex, I'm no dick piece of shit, man. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's your <laughs> shtick, man. I'm much more, I'm much more diplomatic. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you start to go like, oh, you really don't have a thread because if you say a video is about Paxel, like, here's the thing. I could talk about Paxel for hours. <laughs> I right. j- just Paxel, the virtues of Paxel, how Paxel functions in combat, how Paxel functions in Wing Chun, how it would function on the street, variations, where it comes from, parallels to other martial arts. I mean, I can go on and on. And, and you see somebody's like, here's a Paxel video, and they say Paxel for the first word, and then their mind is somewhere else, somewhere else. And then you realize you don't actually really know enough to, to, to teach it. And People think that that's like being open-minded and, and, and being open about your martial art, but there's a difference between having an open mind and having an unrooted mind. And when you look at most people's trains of thoughts when they're teaching, you just realize, no, you're just kind of unrooted. You're just kind of a mess. You don't have a thread. Right. And, and that's a big difference from having an open mind and being able to see things. Because I like to think I have an open mind about different martial arts and different approaches, which is why I can give my students a very open and clear way of doing things, at least in my opinion. But that's different from just accepting any nonsense as being equally valid. That's just being unrooted and unprincipled, in my opinion. So um, that's something in general I see that that you know drives me kind of nuts is he's kind of you know like um i think sam harris uh he he described 
Donald Trump's mind as being like, if you blow a balloon and you don't tie it off at the end and you just let it go and it kind of goes here, there, everywhere. And it's just kind of, it. he's like, he can imagine that's kind of how Donald Trump thinks, right? It's this kind of stream of consciousness. And, yeah, stream of consciousness, but with, with absolutely no concept and base and thread. And when I look at most Wing Chun videos out there, I'm going, dude, you're just kind of riffing it and you're just kind of saying a bunch of stuff that's Wing Chun-ish and Wing Chun sounding, but if you actually break it down and boil down what's left at the end of this video, they've said nothing. They've talked a lot, but they've said nothing. And that's what I see in most Wing Chun videos, in my opinion. And hey, that includes a bunch of people who come from my own line as well. So I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at other lineages or whatever. I mean, there's stuff that I see in the WT learning world, and I just go, man, shoot me in the face and call me Sally, but this is just ridiculous. So, um, you know, I, I see it everywhere. So I, I, I'm, I'm uh, cognizant of it even within my own lineage. Oh, I agree, Sally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't know how to follow that up because it was spot on perfect. Um, when, you, when you see people talking and know that they do not have a core, it's, it's just so obvious in the way they hold themselves. It's so obvious when you hear them try and speak about anything that's more than the, more than the, uh, the glaze on the donut. I'm a fat man, so I use the, the analogy of donuts a lot. <laughs> when they can only speak about the glaze of the donut and not speak about the, you know, the, where the hole comes from, they, you can tell they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Right. And I've had guys come, come to my house and talk to me about on, on the phone and online about things. And they want to sound intelligent, and some of them do. Some guys I, I speak to, and they just blow me away. And then there's some guys who, it's they, you can tell that they're trying to impress people, and all they're doing is reaffirming to the world that they don't know anything and they should not be putting up videos, that right. there is no there there. There's no core. And I sit there and say, you know, why don't they practice before they film the effing video. Like, if I made a video and was going to upload it, the first thing I would do is I would watch the effing thing before I, before I uploaded it and say, hey, <laughs> do I actually sound intelligent or sound like I know what I'm talking about? When, when I'm going to speak about a topic, I actually try and think about the topic. Now, here on the podcast, Alex and I, quite frankly, folks, we have no idea what the hell we're going to talk about half the time, so no thought goes in, is involved. But if I'm going to be teaching a, a, a vice that, oh, I'm going to make a video on broken rhythm, I am going to have it down pat in my head that I know what I'm talking about. Because there's, a, there, there's something there. I have a core. I cannot do a video on handstands because I can't do one. And I watched that video, though. Because you're a sick bastard. That's, that's <laughs> I would love to see your tutorial on handstands. It'd be amazing. But I, I can imagine you could explain. Coming soon to the dudes of Kung Fu, John's handstand video. Handstand Kung tutorial. <laughs> but here's the thing. I can imagine that you could explain the mechanics of doing a handstand. You could at least imagine them better. And you're not somebody who does handstands. Then a lot of so-called Wing Chun people out there trying to explain the, the Wing Chun that they're doing. It's like you can take something you don't even know how to do and explain it better than people who are explaining something that they pretend they know how to do. That's that's the unfortunate state of affairs, I think. I, I just think it's because everybody wants to be a master. Everybody right. wants to be looked at as the next grandmaster. As, oh, shit, where is he coming from? Look, he's so he, – he's the best. He's the ginchiest, man. It's just, you know – and and – 
quite frankly, people have a hard time accepting the fact that they're not, especially as they get older. You can tell, like, when people, when guys are in their, you know, 50s and whatever, and they want to now start, like, slowing down and they want to start being looked at as some sort of master or, or grandmaster or whatever title they invented that week. <laughs> and you can just, and they, and they want to sound more intelligent than they actually are, that if they actually would slow down, speak less, and talk about things that they actually knew, it would come across much better than them trying to talk on some high-level bullshit that they that just, they just don't understand. Right. You know, and I, I sometimes I look at these videos and and they're trying to like you can tell like maybe they prepared like some thing about the jong or whatever, and, and they're running through the jong at a hundred miles an hour. All the structures all fucked up. They don't know what the hell they're doing. And some student will ask them a question. <clears throat> excuse me. Student will ask them a question. And you can see the, the the hamster running around their fucking head trying to figure out <laughs> very the slowly, right? You know, right? And and you know, I, you know, the first time you see it, you cringe a little bit. You say, yeah, "I feel bad for the guy," but then by the, by the time he does it the fifth time, you're like, "Oh look, this fucking idiot put up another video," you know? <laughs> I don't know. Just people have to maybe be be a little bit more comfortable with not being a grandmaster and be a little more comfortable being a student, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Who wants to be a grandmaster anyway? They have to deal with all the shit. <laughs> this is true. This is why Alex is the grandmaster and I'm the fat kid from Brooklyn. I don't <laughs> no, deal with any no, bullshit. No, no thanks on the grandmaster title for me. The, the, that's probably one of the most abused things in, in Chinese martial arts in particular. And it's it's so overused in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially at this point, it just has no meaning. Somebody says they're grandmaster and it's like, well, what does that mean? Are you really the unified head of any style? Is anybody really the unified head of any style anymore? You don't have right. this in you don't have this in Japanese martial arts for the most part. I mean, who's the unified head of Kyokushin Karate? After Masoyama passed away, that's splintered into so many different organizations. So one guy is a grandmaster, the other association doesn't recognize his his status or whatever. It's just like religion and the popes and the churches and everything like that. So, you know, it's it, it's so it, it's such. His title Grandmaster has such a fluid meaning so as to essentially mean nothing nowadays. I don't know, but you know what? Right now, and it just came to me, I'm really digging on JKD Pope. Because, <laughs> no, really, think about it with the hat and the robes and all that other shit. I would rock that, man. I'm surprised somebody hasn't done it already, quite frankly. Well, I'm going to have like the name like jkdpope.com <laughs> once the podcast is over. <laughs> awesome. Oh, my God. I love podcasts. This is just so much damn fun. I got a question for you, man. This is one of my questions. Okay, go ahead. Did you ever have like an oh shit that worked moment? Here's what I mean. I'm gonna explain I'll tell you one of my oh shit that worked moments. Right. And it's it's near meaningless, but it's it it was I remember I'll still remember to this day and it's gotta be twenty years ago. I remember one time feeding a guy focus mix in a JKD class. <coughs> And, you know, I don't know if you ever watched a, uh, a JKD class or boxing. I know you have, Alex, but the, the listeners have never heard, ever watched a, uh, like a boxing coach feed focus mitts. It's um, throwing up the mitts, and the other guy's kind of answering the mitts by, by, by hitting the focus mitts. It's not a power thing. It's often a speed and structure kind of thing. And I remember, you know, feeding this guy the mitts, and it was going really well. And and I could tell while we were doing it, 
he was getting ahead of it. Like he, every time he'd throw up the jab, he, he would throw a jab before I even flashed the jab mitt. And I would kind of catch his jab with the focus mitt so I didn't get punched in the face. <laughs> right? So, we, you know, and sure enough, I was not the teacher at the time. Uh, we got divvied up for sparring later on. And the teacher says, oh, here, Sean, you're going to spar this guy. And the only thing I can think of is, oh, Jesus, I'm going to get punched in the face a whole bunch. Because this guy's got a really good jab, right? So I swear to God, you know, like self-talking? It was self-talking. I get up there and I'm saying to myself, all right, it's going to hurt, but we're going to have fun. This is what you're here for. And I says, it's no, it's no different than with the focus mitts. Hey, you know what? Why don't I try and put my hand up as a catch as if I had a focus mitt? And I swear to God, it worked. We get up there moving around, and I, I take a step in and put my hand up as like a catch. And this guy punched my palm. <laughs> and now I'm close enough to hit him. And I'm telling you, it looked like and it felt like I was fucking Bruce Lee. Pop, pop, you know? And I was able to pull it off like maybe three times in the, in the round, you know? And afterwards, he said to me, Wow, you know, you you did really good with catching my jab. Most people can't. And I went home with this huge, stupid smile on my face saying, I was feeding focus mitts in my head. That's right. really, and it was like an, oh, shit, that really worked kind of moment, you know? And it actually added a little bit to the way I started doing a little bit of strategy. It's, uh, it was a big thing for me. Right. I don't know. It popped into my head. So I figured, did you ever have an, oh, shit, that worked moment? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, certainly, I mean, I... I... I, I do martial arts pretty, pretty consistently for a pretty long time. I don't know if I, I remember all those moments. I remember one time when I was in Germany training. I think I was like um, kind of an intermediate level student, so I wasn't very like uh, very high up on the food chain by any stretch of the imagination. And we were doing this is back when I was training in Germany at the castle. It was, so it was six hour days, five days a week, and I think this was maybe when I was about the five six months into the training. So I was just training every day, really gung ho whatever and there was one training partner there who was pretty tall now i i was consistently in, uh, the shortest guy in the class all right and like all these germans i worked with were these like ridiculous specimens made in a lab and i was like the runt of the litter at the end there like that's the american i thought americans were supposed to be big you know what i mean yeah and i'm just like yeah well i'm kind of short yeah i'm american but i'm kind of small you know and all these germans are like we must brag the American. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, there was this one guy. Um, he was quite a bit taller. I mean, you know, he was like like six foot four. And we were doing a sparring exercise, um, which was very, very difficult um, because it was essentially Wing Chun versus Wing Chun free fighting. So normally um, one of the things in, in the Long Ting Wing Chun, which is kind of differentiates it from some of the other more traditional Wing Chun streams is that most of the fighting training we do in Leung Ting Wing Chun uh, is against non-Wing Chun. So, for example, I'm a Wing Chun guy and the other guy is coming at me with, you know, boxing punches or a tackle or a swing or whatever. So we have to learn to apply our Wing Chun against non-Wing Chun stuff because, you know, if, you, if you're on the street and you get attacked by a guy and he puts his hands up in the Wing Chun Bai Jong, you're like, hey, man, we're Kung Fu brothers. Let's go get a beer. There's, there's no need to go like, wait, you do Wing Chun too? Okay, let's fight to the death. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, it's like, huh, I heard your Wing Chun style lacks any real power. <laughs> <laughs> so you know this this 
there's no there's no reason for that to happen on the street, right? So, if if we are going to be honestly preparing our students, then the sparring needs to be Wing Chun versus non Wing Chun, right? And and this is this is the idea that makes sense, okay? So, um, but occasionally, you know, we do have a, a number of training protocols where it's kind of Wing Chun versus Wing Chun free fighting, which is brutal. I mean, when you have somebody who's who's coming at you down the middle with chain punches, you have boxing gloves on and a head, you know, that face cage with the, with the helmet, right? And then and you only have boxing gloves and a face cage and and, and they would limit us to only using chain punches because one if you only have the boxing gloves on, you, you can't really do all the laps out, packs out kind of stuff. Or if you do, it's very limited and very kind of rough. So basically what you have to do is you have to learn to stick with your chain punches. So if you're on the outside, you keep your level, uh, elbow low so you can suppress. If you're on the inside, you lock your arm out so that you can, you know, kind of wedge them out from the inside. So you basically have to learn to do cheese out on the fly with just your chain punches. So it's very difficult because you're limited to the technical repertoire, right? So we would do these like chain punch versus chain punch free fighting matches with face cages and and boxing gloves on and it was fucking brutal right pardon my French <laughs> so um, the instructor at the time he would kind of put us in a circle and we'd all be on the outside we'd have our boxing gloves on our helmet with the face cage on and we'd be waiting and then he would just pick two of us out at random and you didn't know who you were going to have to work with and you would get up and you'd basically get into your baijong position stand in front of each other and you just have to like go at it using chain punches so it was a really difficult exercise, but it was also kind of a test of fighting heart because it's like putting your face willingly into a blender or a chainsaw. You know, you have to be like, okay, I can't throw hooks and stuff because I have to only use Wing Chun. So, all right, this is really difficult, right? And there was this one guy and he was tall and he was a real nasty son of a bitch. Everybody he worked with, he would just pound them down really hard, punched them in the face, but he wouldn't use a lot of control. And he was like hurting dudes left and right. Oh, wow. And, and he was also somebody that he, he kind of had a kind of a dickish attitude. Nobody really liked working with him. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have, they're going to pair me up with this son of a bitch. I know it. I know <laughs> it. And so we go a couple rounds. First couple guys I go with, you know, it's kind of like, all right, whatever. And one thing I was really good at was the deflecting chain punches because before I went to Germany, I took a couple seminars with Sivu Imin Bostepe, and that's like one of the things he was really big on, that if a punch comes in, you have to be able to cut that punch with your own punch so that you have simultaneous offense and defense, not by tansel punch, but your the single movement does two things. It's not two things doing two things, right? And this is a very... It's essentially the, the highest level of applied chi sao because it's one right. movement doing two functions, right? So uh, I was pretty good at that, right? But I was a little worried about this tall guy. And he, he pounds a bunch of dudes. I go in there. I pound a bunch of dudes. I do okay, whatever. And then towards the end when we're tired, the instructor picks me and picks this guy just like I knew it was going to happen. And I stand in front of him and I look at this guy and, okay, I'm half German. I'm half Cuban. But I grew up in Jersey, all right? <laughs> and I have this thing like, I'm not going to get punked by this SOB. I don't care. He was like pounding everybody. I'm not going to get punked by And he had his range was much longer than mine. So I knew, one, I had to close the gap if I had a chance. Because if I'm limited to chain punches, I got to close the gap. And I remember I just said, screw it. Or maybe in my head I said something a little bit stronger. And I stepped in all the way and just sliced through his first punch and hit him right in the, right in the face cage. And I went, 
bam, bam, bam. And once I hit him with the first one, I hit him with the <laughs> second one, third one, fourth one, fifth one, and I just ran right through him like a maniac, right? And he got back and he didn't know what was going on. And I was like, oh, wait. If I stay in his range, he's going to light me up and go all the way in. I can do something, right? And we go back. We do it again. Bah, 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 bah. I hit him again. Bah, 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 bah. Four times in a row, I go and I slice right through him, slice right through him, slice right through him. And I was like, holy shit, this stuff totally works. It works. <laughs> and afterwards, he was like, hey, man, you did very good. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then after that, I totally won his respect. And everyone around was like, wow, that was like pretty good. But the funny thing was, it was a matter of just saying, I'm not afraid of getting hit. I'm, af- I'm afraid of not doing what I'm supposed to do, which is close the gap and punch this guy. Right, right, the, the, right. the fear of not doing what I'm supposed to do was, was greater than the fear of getting punched in the face, and that's when it worked. And I was surprised, like a hot knife through butter. I just cut through him. And it's also for taller people who are using Wing Chun punches. I mean, this is specifically a Wing Chun on Wing Chun thing. For taller people, when they have to come from up to down, they have a harder time with the shorter people who can really get the elbow behind them coming from inside out. So I, I really learned that advantage over taller people. And that served mm. me in my many years teaching Wing Chun here in New York, where pretty much every freak of nature that walks through my door is bigger than me anyway. So that was like a revelatory moment where I was like, yeah, this is this is how it works. And, and that that served me well in my you know, 15 year teaching career to this day. So yeah, that was That's cool, man. Good story, yeah. bro. Good story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we still need to do that podcast where I tell the old castle stories we discussed yeah, I would that, I love before. To hear right? that, yeah, you telling castle crazy. stories and me telling Brooklyn stories would be pretty Yes, funny. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh so yeah, do we have any questions or, or are we wrapping up for the night? I think we're wrapping up soon. Um we did chat about this a little bit off air. Would you ever get a Wing Chun or martial arts tattoo? Um, I would get Grandmaster Yip Man's face tattooed on my back, full size. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. No, you know what it is? Um, And look, tattoos are very cool nowadays. Everyone has a tattoo. So if you want to stand out these days, you're like, I, I stand out because I'm the one dude who doesn't have any tattoos, uh, you know, on, on my block in a story or whatever. So it's like, you know, tattoos are so common. You're like special if you don't have one. Right. Um, they're definitely, you, you know, I think it's my problem as a martial artist. I always feel that I'm evolving. And like I think about if I got a tattoo when I was 18. All right. The deepest most like intellectual thought I had at 18. I'm like, you know what? This has so much meaning, bro. Like in my 18 year old mind, like, yo, this is really it. Whatever that was when I was 18, if I got that tattooed on my body right now, I would be like, what the hell was I thinking when I was 18 years old? Because it's like, if, if you, the deepest, coolest shit that the most committed thing you could be when you're 18 to whatever ideal or whatever, in two years, you'd already be embarrassed as hell by it if you're a, a normal, evolving, thinking adult. So I have the problem. I'm like, I can't commit to anything because since I always see myself in process, I, I can't possibly imagine what I could tattoo on my body now that wouldn't embarrass the living shit out of me in 10 years. 
I mean, do I need to put my daughter's names tattooed on my body? I know what my daughter's names are. Am I afraid when I get, you know, when I, if I get Alzheimer's when I'm older, I need to remember the names of my daughters? Like, what, like, tattooing the names of my daughters on my arms doesn't commit me to be a better father. You know what I mean? Right. Tattooing, you know, the, and I have, I have um, five students in 15 years who got Wing Chun tattoos. All right. So I, I have my own students have got so serious about this stuff. They got Wing Chun tattoos. But for me to get Wing Chun Kun in Chinese characters tattooed on my body or a plum flower or, um, you know, Leung Ting's crooked smiling face or, or, or uh, <laughs> you, you know, the IWTA logo or like the WT writings or sayings or whatever. It's like, you know. Is that really the thing that defines me? I think the moment something goes on your body, it's, it's such a, you know, I, I think it's such a limiting thing. And, and I, uh, I, I, there's nothing I could ever commit that I would be like, you know, two of my students got a very famous Wing Chun motto tattooed, which is in Chinese. I have two students who got this. Um, which is, and they got like one couplet on one arm, one couplet on the other in Chinese. And it's... Um, fight with no mercy and the other side is with mercy don't fight all right and and this is a, a, a an old kind of chinese fighting wisdom and i go you know what that's totally cool because it basically says you know unless you're really ready and committed to, like you have a real cause to defend yourself and fight you shouldn't right. fight and i'm like i'm that's great but do I really need a tattoo to remind me of that ideal? Is that something that so escapes me intellectually that I need to put it on my body to tell myself to do it? And mind you, I have two students who specifically got that. I'm not trying to call them out or anything, but I'm just oh, yeah, saying, like, right. for, for me personally, I go, I understood the lesson. I mean, Sifu Lengting taught that to me. I learned the motto from him. I've internalized it. And I think as far as the meaning goes, I'm good. But is that really what defines me? Am I so not sure about my control as a human being that I have to remind myself not to fight um, right, unless right. I'm going to absolutely unleash hell and if I'm not ready to unleash hell that I shouldn't fight do I you know what I mean it's just it, to me it just seems that there's no ideal worth tattooing on my body besides my mom would kill me if I got a tattoo so I, mean. <laughs> I, I actually don't have any tattoos either um, my mom would kill me also but <laughs> yeah, we're we're old school in that. We're that old thing. school. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I thought about it. Um, well, I guess it's you know. Like I said I'm 51 years old. Uh, pretty soon I'll be entering into midlife crisis mode. And um, I did. I did say to my wife, "Don't be shocked if one day I just come home with a tattoo." It. I. I, I have no immediate plans for it, but I'm not gonna lie and say it's never gonna happen. I have thought about it and. I, if I do get one, I would probably get the Jeet Kune Do logo. That's Which logo? The Jeet Kune Do logo. Oh, okay. You know, just I kind of feel like it's something at this age here. It's an accomplishment of mine. It's not something that, and I'm just kind of proud of it. Like you know, I'm a like I said, a fat kid from Brooklyn, who was able to meet one of Bruce Lee's original students, become friends with them learn from them and impress them to the point where they certified me as an instructor under them. And it's, it's an accomplishment that's not going to be taken away from me. And it's just something I am kind of proud of. And I thought about that, but you know, again, I still haven't done it. So, and I thought like every once in a while, like a Kyun Yao Samphat has popped into my head 
I was, I was right. getting that, you know. But um, I don't know. It is, it is something. We like, my my two uh, two of my guys were down this weekend, Chris Kennedy and Seth McCollum, and we had joked prior to them coming down that we were all going to go out and go get tattoos, <laughs> and um, some some like you know moy flower or something, you know. And I said to my wife, three quarters joking. Oh, listen, Seth and Chris are coming down this weekend. We're going to go out and get tattoos. And who she always is like, no, 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 no. She turned around and said, yeah, do what you want. Go get it done. <laughs> I don't care. So she called my bluff and we didn't go. So, but uh, I don't know. That but may happen one day. I don't know. I don't know. You, you do realize that if you get the Jeet Kune Do tattoo, you have to get the R registered and then you have to get the disclaimer tattooed underneath. It says, you know, the Jeet Kune Do uh, logo is property of uh, the Lee estate and copyright true. 2014, da, 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 you know, and, uh, you know, all rights and disclaimers. I think legally you have to get that. Otherwise, the Lee estate will come after you with a bunch of lawyers. Like, wait a minute. Maybe I'll get City Wing Chun tattooed on me. No, I'll, 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 I'll sick my lawyers after you if you do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll spell it with a V and T, though. <laughs> <laughs> How tricky. How tricky. <laughs> He's a tricky one, that fat Sean. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, folks. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I absolutely love this podcast. This was a lot of fun tonight. And um, we will uh, we'll be around next week. Alex, do we have anything coming up that we want to let the folks know about? Or, uh, Well, um, if everything goes well, we should have a guest on our next podcast. Uh, the guest, uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but um, he is a uh, he's a Wing Chun expert of a more traditional Wing Chun style, not even the Yip Man lineage. He also is a regular contributor to Wing Chun Illustrated, a super good friend of mine, and uh, has a really awesome Boston accent. So that's nice. all... That's all I'm going to say about that. So if everything goes well, we will have a guest on our next uh, podcast. I'm looking forward to that. Very good. So, folks, please make sure you go to um, Dudes of Kung Fu on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash Dudes of Kung Fu. Send us a message with a picture of your martial arts tattoo. We want to see the pictures of your martial arts tattoo. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah, I don't know. Cool. You're, you're kind of you're kind of inviting all hell to break loose on our uh, on, on our Facebook page. No, I I think I would like to see I want to see pictures of people's martial arts tattoos, and then next week on the podcast I'm going to say which ones I thought were the best ones. Awesome. Also, if you guys will just send in questions, comments, uh, anything you guys want us to talk about, any kind of topics or anything like that. As always, if you can support the podcast, one of the best yeah. ways is to uh, um, share share that you're listening. You know, share the link to the podcast on Facebook page, social media, Twitter, whatever. Um, like us on Facebook if you haven't done that. And also, if you would, uh, write us a review on iTunes uh, or Podbean, wherever, wherever you see this podcast. If there's a, some kind of way you can write a review or whatever, um, those things really do... Uh, help a lot in terms of getting our numbers up. Uh, that'd be really fantastic. We're also on Twitter. Uh, Sean's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Dude's uh, Kung Fu's on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. Uh, follow us. Spread the propaganda. Let everyone yeah, know. Dude. Allow us to infect the world with our propaganda. T tell your friends. Tell your friends for sure. Tell and, your friends. Uh, we'll We'll be uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with a guest. Until then, uh, uh, you guys have a good time. Keep training, and uh, Sean, I'll talk to you soon. Be good, guys. Bye-bye.